All right. Um, if people are logging on, I just want to let you know that in a few minutes we will formally start this call. Uh, I also want to welcome everyone who registered to participate in this uh, in this call. John, are you around the country? Meaning, are you polling in different parts of the country? Are you doing yeah. polls for you are. Do you see any particular trends or? Uh, yes, and they're not good. They're, they're reflected in your national survey where when you just, what you just did where you asked about the Republican majority in Congress, they had a 61% disapprove and 35 approve. And uh, Jim and I polled for 21 members uh. of the House that are sitting members right now. And uh, uh, it's, it's Depending upon the area, some areas are better than others, but uh, uh, right now people are really down on Congress. And, uh, and, and I'm in Washington today. And you can see that, uh, um, you can see that uh, there's, there's a real sentiment up on the Hill that the Republicans need to pass their tax cut plan. Uh, but they need to make sure it's a good plan, so that's for sure. Uh, if you were a betting man, would it, will it be a good play or not? I'm, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure uh, because uh, I think they're making a mistake on the messaging side. Uh, we, we asked on a, a national survey on October 13th, we asked about uh, whether the, uh, you know, what's, what's the most important goal for this tax cut. And uh, most of the voters, 38% said it should be a middle-class tax cut, 30% said it should grow the economy, create more jobs, and 20% uh, said it should be, a, you know, make the tax code fair, uh, simpler and fair. The interesting part is the Republican voters and the Trump voters, 43% said it should grow the economy and create jobs. And then when we asked them a question, we asked about, um, you know, how, how do they, uh, uh, I mean, how, uh, how do they pay for the tax cuts proposed by President Trump? Uh, grow the economy, provide more jobs, higher wages, and more tax revenue, or eliminating deductions and raising taxes on upper income taxpayers and businesses. 63% to 15, they said, grow the economy, create more jobs, higher wages, and tax revenue. So 63% among all voters. And among Trump voters, it rose to 75%. Among uh, those who were undecided for Congress, they agreed with that 52 to 33. Among independents, they agreed 57 to uh -huh. 35. Um, uh, among affiliated Republicans, they agreed 73 to 19. So, and even Democrats agreed with that, 43%. So uh, prior to that, we'd asked a question about uh, and, and we hadn't asked anything previously. This is on October 13th. Do you approve or disapprove of President Trump's plan to cut taxes? And the majority of Americans, among a 1,000 likely voters for next year, 57% of all voters said they approve of President Trump's plan to cut taxes. Only 28% opposed. That was back on, October, back on October 13th. Now, we're going to have new numbers later this week, but the majority of Americans want him to cut taxes. We didn't go into any details. We hadn't biased the question with any specifics in front of it. But that was 10 points higher than his job approval that we had, and that was 13 points higher than the percentage of voters we had voting for Republicans for Congress. So if they actually pass a tax cut that grows the economy, like John Kennedy did, like Ronald Reagan did, 
like even George Bush did in the, in, during his first term. If they pass a tax cut that grows the economy, they could actually improve their poll ratings, but what's more important is they can improve the economy so that a growing economy helps the Republicans uh, for the election. And that's why I think the Democrats, are, they know this. Chuck Schumer is a very smart Democrat. Nancy Pelosi is a very smart Democrat. They're going all out to torpedo this, to stop them from passing a good tax cut. Okay, um, John, uh, we will continue this conversation, but I'd like to formally uh, welcome uh, all the people who responded to the invitation to join this strategy call um, uh, sponsored by Secure America Now. Uh, we are privileged today to have with us an expert on public opinion in the United States. Um, one of his high marks uh, was last year during the presidential election when most pollsters, public pollsters, got the results very wrong, um, meaning they got the wrong person um, as the winner, or they projected those people, uh, that person. Uh, we have uh, with us today John McLaughlin, who did uh, some polling for the Trump campaign. John also does regular polling for Secure America Now, so that we know how to address the important security issues to the American people uh, so that they can understand why our positions are the right positions on everything from the Iran nuclear deal to the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, and, uh, so John is the principal of John McLaughlin and Associates. Uh, you can go up on his website and see all of his polling that he has done, which he, on a monthly basis, at a very minimum, he does a public poll, national poll. And um, there is some fascinating statistics there um, as to what the American people are thinking and what is the direction of the country. So John, first off, let me welcome you and thank you for taking the time to speak to us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity and uh, it's been my pleasure to, to work with you so long because you and the millions of people that support secureamericanow.org have really made a difference because um, you, you, you know, the fact is, if, one of my favorite stories about President Trump is last December when he called to say thank you about the election and wish me a Merry Christmas. He said, you're getting some good publicity out of calling the election right. And I said, except for 78,000 votes out of 139 million, I would have gotten a lot more publicity and it all would have been bad had you lost. And uh, uh, which I said, you would have been the one who got me that publicity. But, but the president did a great job. He went all out to win. He really worked extremely hard to win the election. And he, he brought about a huge uh, upset, probably the biggest upset in American presidential history. But... The, the members of Secure America Now that care about these issues, that have, have made security a real priority for the United States, are really changing the course of history. And, and it's, it's an honor to be able to uh, do surveys with you and, and be able to advocate the right positions on the, on the issues because it's so cr crucial to not just America but to the world. So thank you. Thank you, John. And before we get into 
the security issues, I would like to begin by asking your opinion on what occurred in our national elections last uh, last week, actually. Um, the two big elections were in Virginia and in New Jersey. And the mainstream media, which has not been very positive towards the Trump administration or to Republicans and conservatives in general, they declared that the results of those two states' elections actually portend a major sweep in 2018 of uh, Democrats into office and that, in a sense, the game is over. Uh, the American people are going to get back on track with an Obama-Clinton agenda. What is your read on the elections of 2017? Well, so far during 2017, the special elections, particularly for Congress, had come out uh, pretty much the way Republicans had particularly the most high-profile race was Georgia 6, where we did uh, polling for the National Republican Congressional Party. And although uh, going into the uh, runoff, uh, the Democrat was ahead, um, it was a district where Karen Handel won decisively because Donald Trump had gotten 160,000 votes last November and a year ago November. And uh, uh, when and Handel won the special election, she got 128,000 votes and she had she had supported Donald Trump, and Donald Trump had supported her. Uh, what was, uh, what was uh, uh, disturbing about the Virginia and the New Jersey elections, one in New Jersey, uh, because of the, uh, the incumbent governor's uh, low, dis low approval ratings, the Republican, his lieutenant governor, was never given much of a chance, and she was running against a uh, you know, pretty well, uh, um, you know, Goldman Sachs executive. Uh, in, in a Democrat state. So she never really got the traction she needed to be uh, and the notoriety needed to be to be able to get her message out that she was able to win. So that race never really off. So that was not a surprise. In Virginia, on the other hand, um, Ed Gillespie is a friend. He's a, he's a good, good person. When he was uh, the Republican National Committee chairman, uh, we, we've known each other for years, even before that. Uh, he used to work for Dick Army when he was the Republican National Committee Chairman for Bush in 2004. He did a very good job. But since then, I think a lot of the people that, when he ran for Senate just a few years ago, and he lost a very close race uh, to Mark Warner, uh, what was ironic was they were putting millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars in touch the Senate races. He never got any help in that race, and he could have pulled a big upset off. So people encouraged him to run for governor, and he got lots of help this time. But I think he got bad advice in that um, it was to stay away from Donald Trump. And instead of, instead of saying, okay, he's, he's a floor that we need to stand on, uh, like, most, like most Republicans did last November, so that they, when Donald Trump won, they could do even better, uh, Ed, Ed didn't have a message, nearly lost the primary. Um, and at the end of the race, while he did... Uh, you know, try to make sanctuary cities an issue and, and MS-13 and uh, maybe the removal of Confederate monuments, he really didn't have a cohesive message. And he had a good economic plan, but he really didn't get it out. And uh, in the process, what was really disturbing is Virginia, and we did, and we did uh, uh, Virginia has trended, I used to work for Governors Allen and Gilmore when they won, and I've worked for a lot of candidates there in the past, 
but uh, uh, this time around, Ed got primary and nearly lost the primary to a candidate that was, uh, you know, underfunded, and it was a real warning shot. So, uh, uh, so this time, Virginia presidential race will have over three and a half million voters, 3.7, 3.8 million voters. Normally, in the odd year for governor, they get 2.2 million out. And eight years ago, when Bob McDonald, the Republican, won for governor, uh, the exit poll said 37% of those voters were Republican and 33 were Democrat. Uh, four years ago, everybody wrote off Ken Cuccinelli. In fact, the Republicans pulled the plug on the ads two weeks before the election so that they weren't giving him any help. They said he was going to lose. They only lost by three points. And the party affiliation was relatively close, and it was about 2.2 million voters. This time, you had 2.6 million voters go out, and the exit polls said that Democrats outnumbered Republicans 41% to 30%. Now, it's an affiliation state, so you can't track party registration, but what the voter tells you what they're thinking at the time, they, 41% of everybody that voted in the exit poll said they were Democrat and only 30% Republicans. There were probably 800,000 Trump voters that voted last November that didn't vote in this election. And now there are probably lots of Clinton voters, and they appear to make up the difference where the, the turnout rose from 2.2 million usual odd-year election for governor to 2.6 million. And, in fact, African-Americans, who were largely Democrat, they came out a point above census at 20%. So the anti-Trump Obama coalition was, uh, and I'll call it the Obama coalition because with the increased minority turnout, the increased youth voters, it looks like that. They were motivated. They came out. They ha their party was united because they have no place to cope it up. So they, they, they came out and they, they drove that election. But on the other hand, the Republicans, were, the, particularly the D.C. inside the Beltway Republicans, were having this discussion of, oh, you can't get close to Trump. You can't have a message. You have to be this uh, amorphous candidate. Huge mistake. Big mistake. So... Um, you know, you could you could say you know you, you you could say you disagree with the president on certain issues, but you you better agree with them on a lot of issues, particularly that would motivate your base to go out. So I think the Republicans got a real message in Virginia that they may not come up with the right results. That that in effect, as we look to the midterm elections, where after we poll for uh, we have 21 incumbent members of the House across the country. We poll for six U.S. senators, but uh, none of them up right now. But the, uh, um, we've, or we have polled and helped elect six U.S. senators. But, uh, and we'll have some governor's races around the country as well. Uh, but we poll all over this country. And when you look at next year's elections, you have 34 Republican, uh, 34 seats in the Senate up, and you have a Republican majority of 52 seats. There's only nine Republicans out of those 34 seats that are up. But two of them are in play. Nevada, uh, Heller's seat, seems to be uh, relatively weaker and more in play. And Arizona, with Jeff Flake retiring. And on the other hand, you have 10 Democrats out of the 24, 25, pardon me, 25 Democrats are up next year, of which 10 Democrats are in states that Donald Trump won, of which you have four of them in states where Donald Trump won by double digits. Indiana, West Virginia, North Dakota, and Missouri. Plus you have other states like Florida, Wisconsin, Montana, uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Virginia again. They're up. Uh, Virginia, he didn't win, but, but 
those are all those are all states that might be in play next November. But the Republicans need good candidates with a good agenda, and we don't need to be fighting in our base or running away from our party leader, or uh, uh, you know sending mixed messages to our voters. Because, Alan, in your survey that you did for uh, Secure America Now uh, uh, on October 30th, of a thousand likely voters across the country, the president's job approval was 48 to 50, and we've seen in our surveys earlier this month. That okay, so we polarize for every one person that approves the job he's doing. There's one person that disapproves, but he can raise that number higher. And um, we've seen earlier in the month that when we asked uh, in our October 13th survey, which you also participated in, of the people that approve the job the president's doing, 90%. It's 90% with those who voted for him last November. So his base is intact. His base is enthusiastic. He does need to broaden it to other groups. But the, what's holding them back is in your survey on October 30th, we asked them, how would you rate the job the Republicans are doing in Congress? And only 35% approved of the Republican majority, 61% disapproved. So ironically, it's the Republican majority in Congress not getting health care done, not being more supportive of the president, that is probably holding the president's numbers down and at the same time doing damage to themselves. Uh, so... Uh, so I think we saw that in, I, some of that impact in Virginia, and uh, hopefully Republicans get their act together and pass a good tax cut uh, and keep supporting the president, particularly on security issues, because that's he gets he gets better marks for that. Because when we asked Donald Trump, "Do you approve this for what he's doing on national security?" Among all voters, 50% approved, 47% disapproved. So it was more positive. And they pretty much liked his politics. By the way, Republicans supported on security 84 to 15. Uh, 20% of Democrats support the job he's doing on on, uh, on security. So uh, uh, so there's there's a right way and a wrong way of doing it, and uh, they need to they need to make sure that uh, they they take the best of what the president's doing and then expand on it and improve on it. Uh, I want to once again welcome those who are just uh, joining our call. Uh, this is Cure America Now President Alan Roth, and uh, welcome, and I want to thank all those who gave us uh, donations to participate um, in this call. We are speaking with John McLaughlin, who polled for President Trump in his, well, candidate Trump before he became president, and has polled for Secure America Now, as well as, I think it's 24 House members and the House of Representatives and a few senators as well. And uh, John, you just hit upon, um, I think, an important uh, dilemma that Republican candidates have created for themselves. They look at the president's personal approval ratings and they are concerned because he's not his his uh, method of doing things is unorthodox and it's not widely um, uh, popular. Uh, but at the same time, his job approval rating um, is much better than his personal approval rating. And, but these Republicans are not looking at the policies. Um, they are looking more at his personal approval rating and they are running away from him as uh, Gillespie did in Virginia 
which uh, resulted in Gillespie, the Republican candidate, leaving 800,000 Trump voters at home, which could have put him over the top. Um, in going forward, can you um, talk to us about the role of national security issues like the Muslim Brotherhood, like the nuclear Iran? And before you answer, I want to let people know that if they're interested in asking a specific question, they can email it to info at secureamericanow.org, info at secureamericanow.org. Um, and we will look at your question, and if it's appropriate, we will, um, we will ask that question as well. So John, um, what role do you see um, national security issues and Trump's positions on them as playing in the future elections, in 2018 elections? I think it's critical, particularly to the base, and, uh, meaning that uh, if you support President Trump or, if you're, or, if it's, or you're considering to support uh, a Republican or a conservative candidate, uh, you will. You think the security issues are more important. Democrats seem to discount it and, and favor domestic issues. So, it, like for example, last year when you asked about uh, how important is national security uh, in deciding your vote for president or for uh, uh, Congress, we would get over 90% of all voters said it was important, and the majority would say it's very important. And now, uh, while a uh, and, and now while the president is, uh, is there, we've been asking in the, the monthly surveys that you participate in, what should the top priority of President Trump and the new Congress be? And we give them options of economic options of creating jobs, reducing taxes, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, improving national security and protecting America from terror. Uh, that comes out at 20%. And when you add stopping Middle East refugees, tearing up the Iran deal, building a wall in Mexico, uh, the security issues are 34% of the total. The economic issues are 47%. And when you look at the Republican vote, the security issues are 49%, and the economics drop to 31 When you look at those who approve the, the job that the president is doing, the security issues are 47%, and the economic issues are 34%. So, uh, so it's, it's essential to his base, and in a large part, that's how he got there. He was talking about things that Washington wasn't talking about. And we also have to remember part of this is he ran against Washington. He's a historic candidate in that he's the first candidate ever to defeat the Republican establishment and then go on and defeat the Washington establishment. And uh, all during last year's election, you saw that people were responding to him because they didn't feel safe. And when you asked in this, on, in the national survey that you did on October 30th, um, when you ask basic things that probably no one else is asking, you won't see these questions in the media, just a simple opinion, uh, you know, whether, you, whether you're favorable or unfavorable to the Muslim Brotherhood. 16% of all voters said they were. 45% said they were not, they were unfavorable to, that they were unfavorable to the Muslim Brotherhood. That's among all voters. So, and, and only 15% said they never heard of. So Americans are paying attention to security issues. And when you ask them about, you know, should the State Department 
uh, do you believe the State Department with the American tax dollars should be funding organizations like the Muslim Brotherhood? Seventy percent said no. It's overwhelming. That's among all voters. I mean, it's, it's, it's the majority of Democrats and Republicans and independents. And, uh, you know, when you say if you knew that the United States uh, were to declare uh, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood support of terrorism, uh, it will decrease international funding for that support of the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, would you support them? Uh, would you support declaring them a support of terrorism? 66 to 15, Americans said they would. And, uh, you know, the, the fact is that Americans see security as a very fundamental issue going forward. We're in the post-9-11 era, and it ha we haven't felt safer. We don't feel better. We certainly have our enemies out there in the world. Uh, the president often said last year he made an issue of, of uh, you know, radical Islamic terrorists, et cetera, that were coming after the United States, and he often ridicules Hillary Clinton that she couldn't say it. Um, and uh, the, American, the American voters responded because we want somebody with all these terror attacks to continue around the world. Recently, just the week before the election, you had uh, uh, this terrorist in New York uh, run down some poor tourists, tourists and kill people. And, and you know, the, the idea of, uh, uh, you know, terrorism keeps coming back. And uh, a lot of my friends... Those of us who, uh, even though we work all over the country, those of us who live near New York, uh, my friends who are associated with law enforcement, they often say that it's not a question of, you know, if it will ever happen again. It's a question of when, which is a very difficult place to be in. So, uh, um, you know, the president recognizes that. His supporters recognize that. And, you know, as you've picked up in your surveys, uh, you and the supporters of Secure America Now keep these issues out front to keep America safe so that we don't fall in a position like you're seeing other countries in Europe, et cetera, where, you know, you look at them and you say they've got to be really naive. So, and, and now you're seeing actually European voters uh, voting from candidates who actually support security and, and uh, uh, support keeping their, their country safe and their borders secure and, and, and actually getting tougher on immigration, et cetera. Uh, thank you. I, I want to just take a minute to thank um, the members of Secure America Now who um, in important on national security issues like the very bad Iran nuclear deal and now on declaring the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization, which is the campaign that Secure America Now launched uh, last week, um, that you folks contacting your senators, contacting your congressmen, contacting the President of the United States with your point of view actually makes a difference. I want to encourage you to continue to do that. And um, uh, two points on what you said, John. One of them uh, is that uh, we have a situation where um, with the national security issues that it cuts across ideological lines. That it, uh, Secure America Now has a lot of conservatives on it, but we also have Democrats and independents who are members of our team because on national security, it appears that it knows no ideological boundaries. I mean, people do not want to get run over by an Islamic terrorist on the streets of New York or anywhere else in this country. Can you spend a minute and talk about 
the, uh, the broad support that strong national security has among the American people. Right. And, and, for, and as you mentioned, you know, security issues absolutely uh, go across party lines. They go across ideological lines. Um, but in the realm of, uh, uh, you know, full disclosure, as you said, I polled for President Trump and I, we polled for Republicans. But there's plenty of Democrats that we end up working with. Um, oftentimes I'm on uh, uh, Sean Hannity's radio show with Doug Schoen. Doug's a Democrat. He considers himself like a Scoop Jackson Democrat. Uh, where and, and they may be fading a little bit in the, inside their party, but uh, there's plenty of Democrats that support national uh, security issues and are necessary, and we need that kind of unity on national security. So, and, and just to go mention your po- your point about the, your campaign uh, on October 30th, you asked in this national survey. Now, after everything you just read, do you support or oppose legislation uh, designating the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization? And we had read them a series of points where, you know, we're telling them about, you know, what, what uh, the Muslim Brotherhood was doing, uh, where they had a history of violence in the Middle East towards Christians and, and non-Muslims in countries like Egypt. Um, they, they basically, uh, they've, they've launched a six-step plan explaining the organization's plan to take over the West. Uh, they have a similar ideology to groups such as ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Uh, that was... You know, when when you educate people to these facts, or just reiterate what they already know, or they've seen or read and pieced together, uh, Americans say they should be designated as a the Muslim Brotherhood should, should be designated a terrorist organization. Seventy four percent to sixteen among all voters, and it's, it may be eighty two percent with Republicans, but it's sixty four percent with Democrats, and seventy six percent with Independents. Um, with liberals at 66%, moderates 67 conservatives 87 So it's across the board. I mean, even demographically, you have uh, white voters 78, majority of African Americans 53, Hispanic 73, Jewish voters maybe 88%, but American Muslims it was 56%. So, um, so it, it goes, the, the idea we're all Americans and America's still a melting pot. It's still a country of immigrants uh, or of immigrant heritage. And we, we really want people to come here who share our values, who have our best interests at heart. And we know that we're being threatened by forces around the world that, we, that Americans at times may not understand it uh, or, or feel it's justified, but it's a reality. And, uh, and, and I, think, I think you're seeing a 21st century kind of a realization as to what our national security is and among the voters. And as pollsters, sometimes they, they talk about as security moms and, you know, uh, post 9-11 uh, families and issues. But it, it's really a, uh, it's a common thread, again, that, that the United States needs to defend our values, needs to defend our borders, and needs to keep our people safe at home and abroad. So, uh, uh, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very significant issue. And if not... When you look at a presidential race, it probably is the deciding issue. You know, um, one of the things, uh, and I'm bringing together various points that you have made, John, in this conversation, um, if one was going to look at the tea leaves going into the future of the 2018 elections for control of the Senate and of the House of Representatives, 
would it be accurate to say that if the uh, Congress actually uh, delivers on repealing Obamacare, passing significant tax cuts, and uh, bringing immigration under legal control that the Republicans uh, and the Trump administration's agenda will actually uh, win the day in 2018. But if the Congress continues to drag its feet um, on these issues, that in fact the Democrats would have a golden opportunity to take over. Yeah, I would, I would, I would certainly uh, agree with you on that. And one, one that you often mentioned that you left out on that little list was, uh, 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 you know, basically uh, undoing the Iran deal. That, you know, that right now two thirds of Americans, though, we've asked them about, uh, you know, should we, uh, would they approve or disapprove of uh, renegotiating or or throwing the deal out and. Uh, getting something that would actually allow U.S. inspections in the Middle East, stop Iran from developing ICBMs, et cetera, uh, intertile ballistic missiles. Um, there's all sorts of violations that, that Iran's carrying on. Um, and if the Republicans don't do something about that, voters who voted for them last year who saw millions of dollars of ads in races for Congress and Senate saying that we need to uh, repeal the, or uh, this this Iran deal or get tougher with Iran uh, and stop Iran from getting nuclear weapons. You know, voters who saw millions of dollars of those kind of ads, they'd be like, why do we vote for the Republicans? And the Democrats have an opportunity. So uh, whether it's, whether it is, you know, uh, keeping the economy growing through tax cuts that would create jobs, uh, whether it is uh, repealing or replacing Obamacare or something where they're premiums will go down and they get better coverage, that they would have more choices and not be faced with these oppressive mandates, uh, whether it is, uh, uh, you know, just keeping America safe from terror and securing our borders and fixing an, uh, an immigration system that we know is broken, that, uh, you know, that basically, uh, and, and just the battle that in, in, in questions that you've asked before where, we know that 69% of all voters disapprove of the idea of sanctuary cities. It's, it, you know, the media calls it sanctuary cities, but to the average American, it's about, well, if somebody's a criminal, what are they doing here? <laughs> Why haven't we caught them, put them in jail, and then deported them when they're done with jail? It doesn't make any sense. And in every community across America, you know, when you see the, on the political pages, you may see something or something on your news feeds on the Internet, you'll see something about, you know, sanctuary cities, et cetera. And then you'll read in the local crime feeds or whatever, crime stories, that here was this illegal alien killed somebody with drunk driving or committed some violent crime or, or I mean, these MS-13 gangs with the trafficking and, and the murder of very young, uh, on Long Island you have the case where they, they've murdered very young high school students uh, ruthlessly. And what are they doing in the country? They're illegals. They don't belong here. And, ha you know, it's not just how they got here in the first place, it's like, why, why would we, you know, why, why would we have them in a city and then not report them? So, uh, uh, so those issues are, are really very, very important that Republicans uh, and conservatives with like-minded Democrats need to be pushing uh, that agenda because uh, if, we, if we don't, the majority of Americans will 
get to a solution where, you know, they, they could walk away from the election or they could actually start voting against people that didn't keep their word. So, uh, uh, you know, they sent a message last November, a year ago November, that they were upset with the way Washington was running, being run and, and they wanted change. And uh, uh, right now, you know, they think that uh, there was a survey we did at the end of August where the plurality of voters think that the Republicans aren't training the swamp. They think that they are the swamp. And that would be a big, a big mistake on their part. You know, John, during this uh, election this year, uh, especially on the local level, um, I saw various candidates who, on an issue like sanctuary cities, actually uh, took what we would consider the right position, that a local government has no right to close its eyes to immigration laws, um, and they should enforce them with the federal government. Um, but at the same time, those same candidates ran away from President Trump. And uh, to me, it seemed like a disconnect, that they were using these issues, but they didn't appear to really believe them. Because President Trump and Attorney General Sessions um, have done a really fantastic job across the country of, on issues like sanctuary cities, like supporting violent um, immigrant uh, uh, criminals, uh, getting them out of this country. Um, and uh, can, and I know it's, in a sense it's rehashing a question I already asked, can Republicans, if they continue to close their eyes to being part of the Trump revolution, actually end up winning in 2018? Or are they going to have to, they don't have to embrace everything about President Trump, but those issues that people care most about that the president's on the right side of, uh, they, they have to embrace it in a sincere fashion and not just use it as a political gimmick. Do you agree with that? Right, I would agree. And, and when you talk about, for example, like on the local, the, the sanctuary cities and the, the fighting the MS-13 gang, uh, both the President and Attorney General Sessions have been out to Long Island with Congressman uh, King and Congressman Zeldin, who are very happy to have the federal forces there because they have arrested hundreds of those gang members since they've had... Uh, uh, these terrible atrocities and murders committed out there uh, by these illegal uh, criminals that are in the United States. And uh, um, that was very good on a local level. And they didn't run away from President Trump, and they, they actually embraced him and want his help because, uh, uh, you know, certainly the, the citizens in the Suffolk and Nassau County uh, certainly needed that help. But when you think of the big picture, um, a midterm election, I really miss Barack Obama because as he was doing things that were unpopular with the majority of Americans, the Republicans, we recaptured the House, recaptured the Senate. We had good midterm elections, and all us uh, political uh, pollsters and uh, consultants, we thought we were strategic geniuses. But really what was going on was the people that were voting in the midterm were, were saying, we don't like those policies. And in a presidential year, uh, last a year ago, November, we had 139 million voters come out. And... Uh, Four years before, it was about 131 million. Before that, it was like 133 million. But uh, you get 
you get the larger turnout in presidential years. In the midterms, although most of the governors in the United States will be up for re-election uh, in 2018, the whole House of, of Representatives will be up for election. You'll have 34 Senate seats up for election in, uh, uh, you know, next year. Uh, the turnout will go down. And normally, I think it was 83 million people showed up in 2014, depending on the states that had Senate seats. And you had 90 million people vote in 2010. So the turnout's going to go down. Donald Trump got 63 million voters to vote for him uh, a year ago, November. Now, a lot of those voters, maybe 15, 20 million, I haven't actually done the, done the counts, but you can bet we're doing the counts in specific races uh, for Congress and Senate. A lot of those 2016 Trump voters did not vote in 2014. And if Republicans don't embrace him and don't promote his policies, uh, whether it's on security or whether it's on economics and creating jobs. And by the way, you can see the, the, the growth rates on the economy are back up at 3%. They never, for eight years under Barack Obama, we never had a 3% uh, growth rate. And now we're getting it. And he hasn't even passed his tax cuts. So, you know, we need to see, and a lot of the millennial voters, the younger voters, they've never seen peace and prosperity. They've, you know, they came of age after 9-11 where we've been in a constant war against terror. Uh, and, and at the same time, we've never had a really good economy that's lasted. I mean, we've had a flat economy with flat pay raises and not so much high unemployment rates, but people leaving the job market so that what they call U6, unemployment 6, was before the election was over 10%, which was like having a 10% unemployment rate. Now it's about... 7.98%. Uh, so people are coming back into the job market. The economy is growing. Uh, we're, we're certainly doing our best to, you know, to, to keep America safe and secure. So Republicans, if, if, if they would embrace the president's policies and help him advance those policies, chances are they would keep their majority in the, in the Congress and would strengthen their majority in the Senate. Um, Democrats know that. And that's why you've got a lot of Democrats who are more interested in control than, than, than embracing those policies. And that would be to their detriment. But on the other hand, uh, Alan, you and I have a very good friend, Pat Cadell, who was Jimmy Carter's pollster, who is a Democrat, uh, an old-style Democrat. But he often says that, uh, you know, the Democrats are the crooked party, but the Republicans are the stupid party. And the biggest thing the Republicans, <laughs> Democrats have going for themselves right now is that Republicans who don't understand who they are, where the majority of the party is, where the base is, and, and being true to policies and advancing their issue agenda, the, the stupid Republicans who don't understand that can blow the majority in the House because it only takes, uh, you know, 24 seats and we lose the majority in the House. Uh, and we only have a 52 out of 100 Republican majority in the Senate, although we should pick up seats this time. So... Uh, um, if, we, if you don't listen to the people and you have, you have a ton of public opinion survey, uh, survey information and research at secureamericannow.org, if you don't listen to the American people on these important issues of national security, fighting terror, securing the borders, fixing immigration, uh, then your voters, uh, they'll either stay home or they may come out and vote for the other side. So... Uh, uh, it's 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 a pretty clear when you look at 
the surveys that you've done and the public opinion where where it is on these core issues, it's pretty clear what you have to do. You can you can run on things that the majority of Americans agree with, or you can listen to people inside the Potomac and Washington who will uh, you know no matter what they try to survive, but they uh, but they, their opposition to the president is 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 just. Uh, uh, it, it, it's really confusing to Republicans because outside the Beltway, um, America is rooting for his success. Inside the Beltway, the establishment that he's, he's, he threatens their, um, their control of things, you can see that they're uh, it, it kind of trying to, often they tell people that they're trying to sandbag us with the, their view of the world, which isn't, isn't accurate. So. Well, John, um I want to thank you uh, for sharing your expert insights into what the political situation is, both in Washington and in the nation, and giving us some uh, valuable insights going forward as to what um, it will take for the Trump revolution uh, to keep on going. Um, I also want to once again thank our people who registered for this call uh, and I want to encourage everyone to continue to let their voices be heard on these crucial national security issues because in fact we have a president who agrees with us, whether it's on immigration, the Iran deal. Uh, by the way, we recently did an interview with a member of the National Security Council of Victoria Coates on the comprehensive plan that the Trump administration has uh, put together and launched on uh, combating Iran on the nuclear issue as well as on their terrorist issues, their expansionism, et cetera, on all the bad things that the Iranians are doing. And we support that comprehensive plan. Uh, we are also moving forward to declare the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist organization. And uh, we are educating people, we are recruiting people, we're over 3.5 million people who are part of Secure America now, but the real key is, is that you people uh, who agree with us, let your congressmen let, your, let the President of the United States know um, how you feel on these issues. And we will continue to educate both online in phone conversations like this, in interviews like the ones we have done with Victoria Coates. We have several very good congressmen who have agreed to do interviews on national security issues and look for those. And uh, John, once again, I want to thank you for sharing your insights and for being part of this team. So um, a lot of our success depends upon your uh, information that you have gathered uh, that we put into use on uh, how to present our points of view in the most effective way. So thank you very much for those who have joined the call, and thank you, John McLaughlin. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks to all your members for their support of uh, these very important issues. Have a good day, everyone.